Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 611. So who are the baddest hombres out at your backyard bird feeders? As reported in the latest issue of Science Magazine, a research team turned to citizen science for the answer through Project Feeder Watch, operated by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and Bird Studies Canada. Well, just as the team expected, birds fall into a ranking system based on body size, although there are some interesting complications. The researchers confirmed a previously studied rock-paper-scissor effect that sometimes occurs when birds are similar in size. For example, when all three of the following species are in the same place, the house finch dominates the purple finch, and the purple finch, in turn, dominates the dark-eyed junco. But then, the dark-eyed junco takes it back around and dominates the house finch. But who are the toughest tough guys? Is it those bossy blue jays? Is it those feisty house wrens? Or maybe those troublemaking grackles? No, no, and no, say the researchers. The birds that were more dominant than expected, given their size, were various species of... Woodpeckers. They say if woodpeckers were boxers, they'd tend to prevail in their weight class Maybe because, unlike human boxers, woodpeckers can take hard hits to the head without sustaining brain injury. How about it, Talking Birds listeners? Does this jibe with your backyard observations? By the way, if you'd like to become a citizen scientist while you're watching your backyard birds, now's a good time to do it because this year's Project Feeder Watch is underway. It began in November and continues into April. And you can find out more about it and... How to join in at feederwatch.org. That's feederwatch.org. From our There's Got to Be a Better Way department, we know that it's really important to keep birds away from airports. But is this really the best way to do it? With a shotgun? On January 15, 2009, three minutes after takeoff from New York City's LaGuardia Airport, U.S. Airways Flight 1549 hit a flock of Canada geese just northeast of the George Washington Bridge and lost all engine power. Remarkably, pilots Chesley Sully Sullenberger and Jeff Skiles ditched the aircraft onto the Hudson River in midtown Manhattan. All passengers and crew escaped with only a few serious injuries. Since then, 70,000 birds have been killed in the New York City area to make the sky safer for air travel. Ironically, in the five years before the Hudson River emergency landing, there were 158 bird strikes per year. In the six years following the accident, 299 airstrikes have been recorded per year, nearly twice as many as before. 
Nobody seems to have come up with a foolproof alternative to the shooting method, but folks certainly are trying. In the UK, they're using bird distress signals to clear runways with vehicle-mounted speakers that emit more than 20 different bird calls. In Fort Myers, Florida, they've reduced incidents by using dogs to keep the birds away. Salt Lake City's airport employs pigs to disrupt California gulls. The pigs trample and eat the eggs, and when the gulls arrive and see the pigs waiting to devour their eggs, they move on. And in Norway, this only works with prop planes, but they're experimenting with painting asymmetrical zebra stripes on the plane's propellers, which creates a pulsating effect as the propeller spins, scaring the birds away. All partially effective techniques, it seems, with a complete solution remaining elusive. And from our we-don't-want-to-think-it's-true-but-it-is department, it's a sad fact that cats, feral cats especially, but outdoor house cats too, kill billions of birds in the U.S. every year. The latest felines versus feathered friends flare-up is taking place at what may seem like an unlikely location, Jones Beach, New York, where a federal judge has ruled that American Bird Conservancy, ABC, may proceed with its lawsuit against the New York State Department of Parks, Recreation and Historic Preservation over feral cat colonies at the beach. U.S. District Judge Arthur Spat denied a motion to dismiss the case, finding that ABC's allegations, quote, support an inference of plausible harm to the survival of the Jones Beach piping plovers, which are listed as threatened in the Atlantic Coast region under the Endangered Species Act and as endangered under New York State's regulations. Stay tuned. The case continues. Got a note here from our friend and Talking Birds ambassador, Randy A., down in the Lone Star State. He says, in part, howdy from Texas. Thanks for the ambassador cards a while back posted on my local bird store's billboard and tucked in between their big seed bags. Thought you'd dig this. For the past two weeks, just north of Austin here, we're experiencing either a once-in-a-lifetime eruptive show or the new norm due to global warming. So many birds, I can't even guesstimate the massive numbers. Robins, cedar waxwings, and a yet-to-be-ID'd species. The latter alone are in the hundreds to a thousand-plus. All day, flocks of a medium-sized dark brown bird swooping by just overhead, yet way too fast to get even a basic fix on. Usually around 30 to 50 birds total here any given day. Now literally 500 to 1,000 every day. I open my door and dozens of robins just flush up into the trees. And no need to set the alarm anymore. Their beautiful choruses wake me every early morning. Curious if you've heard of this issue from other listeners. Oh yeah, one more before I let you go, Ray. Roadrunners can climb trees? Saw one ascend the center of very tall oak in like two seconds. Another one maniacally circling the base of the same tree for an hour. Round and round, the roadrunner, just like eluding Wiley E. <coughs> they truly are cuckoo. Well, they are cuckoos. Man, it is wild out there, ain't it? That's from our friend Randy, just north of the great city of Austin, Texas. 
I haven't heard anything quite like that, Randy, myself, but I have heard of a lot of those dark-eyed juncos. People are seeing many more, it seems, at least here in Massachusetts, southern New England, so far this winter. Well, here's one more department. It's our Let's Stop Insulting Swamps department. Actually, this comes from the birding community, eBulletin's Paul Basich and Wayne Peterson, who say... Finally, we have an appeal in difficult political times to support swampland. Alas, Donald Trump is not the first politician to invoke a metaphor of draining the swamp as a political rallying cry. Leaders from both sides of the aisle have used the phrase over the decades, including Ronald Reagan and Nancy Pelosi. During the George W. Bush years, Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld even committed to drain the swamp of terrorism. Unfortunately, swamps have gotten a bad rap in the process. They should really be considered an extremely valuable part of nature, as opposed to sites deserving derision, abuse, and draining. Essentially, a swamp is a forested or semi-forested wetland containing standing water, at least seasonally, or continuously slow-moving water. Swamps can recharge groundwater, the Everglades, for example, and they can serve as natural water treatment areas, acting as filters and purifiers. They can also aid in flood control. Swamps are good at capturing and storing carbon, becoming an important resource in the efforts to mitigate climate change. And they support a diversity of animal life, including unique and fascinating birds, from waterfowl to long-legged waders and warblers to raptors. To read about why swamps do not deserve their reputation as useless ecosystems and why the political metaphor needs to be dropped, check out a late December op-ed piece in the Washington Post by Adam Rosenblatt, a fellow at the American Association for the Advancement of Science. That's from Paul Basich and Wayne Peterson in the latest Birding Community e-bulletin. We'll get a link to that Washington Post article up on our Facebook page, by the way. Meanwhile, another Talking Birds friend and ambassador, Vincent Propolenis, down in East Windsor, New Jersey, posted a note on Facebook about last week's mystery bird, which was the burrowing owl. He says, last week's mystery bird habitat in Cape Coral, Florida, is shrinking due to new homes built in fields that supported quite a few families of owls. I remember meeting some nice people who said they were members of a wildlife protection group called the Friends of Cape Coral. I think they need more members to protect the gopher tortoise that is important to other species like the burrowing owl. Well, thanks, Vincent. And if we have anybody listening in Cape Coral, we hope you'll follow Vincent's thought and maybe join the Friends group there. And by the way, if you're anywhere in southwest Florida, which is where Cape Coral is located... You might want to check out another group that covers the whole region there. It's called the Conservancy of Southwest Florida. I know some folks down there, they do some great work helping to preserve that beautiful but development-threatened part of the Sunshine State. Well, proving that you're never too young to be a Talking Birds ambassador is our new friend Alex in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Alex says, I'm nine years old and I love birds and Talking Birds. Thank you, Alex. Cards are on their way. Also joining the program, our friend Greg in Houghton Lake, Michigan. Thanks for joining, Greg, and for your kind comments. Thanks to Faith in Pembroke, Massachusetts, a recent Mystery Bird Contest winner. And thanks to Andrew in Corvallis, Oregon, who said in his accompanying comments that he's a student of wildlife biology at Oregon State University and incredibly passionate about avian conservation and management. 
Great to hear, Andrew, and thanks for joining our Ambassadors program. A quick visit to our Facebook page will show you a complete list of Ambassador states. So Talking Birds listeners, kindly do check to see if your state is listed there and considering representing it if it isn't. Of course, whether your state is listed there or not, we hope you'll join our Ambassadors program. Hand out some of our info cards to friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. Easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkinBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Extra, extra, read all about it. Speaking of the Facebook page... Some of the stories and videos we have for you this week, back on the tortoise topic. Read the story of how federal, state, and local agencies are coming together in an effort to expand conservation and recovery efforts of the Mojave Desert tortoise out in the Southwest. What's a pukako? Well, our friend David Clapp knows, and he sent us a photograph of one from his birding safari that he's on right now in New Zealand. Check it out on our page. And 13 stunning photos of the showiest birds on Earth. We'll link you to the story and to the pictures. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can find most of those stories through an online search, too, if you're not a Facebook follower. Our blog this week, we've been hearing a lot in the news lately about Scott Pruitt, President Trump's nominee to head the EPA. The Environmental Protection Agency. However, we're not hearing much about the EPA itself, so we thought we'd blog about it. Our Debbie Bleacher gives it a shot on this week's Talking Birds blog, easily found at talkingbirds.com. We want to do a little preview of our mystery bird contest, so you'll be kind of prepared, pre-prepared for our mystery bird contest coming up a little bit later on our program. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. It's a small water bird with brown head and body, a small head, and a short, thick bill. In summer, the pale bill has a black ring around it. That's one clue for our mystery bird contest coming up in a little bit. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in a Let's Ask Mike segment that answers the question, how do birds survive snowstorms? People are always asking him that down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Also this morning, we'll announce the winners of our 2017 Talking Birds photo contest. We'll go inside the Talking Birds Science Lab for a special Science Corner report, and we'll learn about the new phenomenon of forest bathing. Yep, forest bathing. And what does this spell? S-U-P-E-R-B-O-W-L. Yes, Super Bowl, but that was last week. S-U-P-E-R-B-O-W-L also spells superb owl. And just such an owl, one from way up north, is today's featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says, we care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. Some call him Tengbaum's owl, after Swedish naturalist Gustav Tengbaum. Some call him Richardson's owl, 
for Scottish naturalist and explorer John Richardson. But he's better known as the Boreal Owl. whose song has been compared to the non-vocal winnowing sound of a Wilson's snipe. The boreal owl, which feeds mainly on voles, but also on small birds and insects, is a medium-sized owl, mostly brown above with white flecking on the shoulders and whitish with brown streaks on the underside. The dark frame around the face and its intense yellow-orange eyes give the adult boreal owl an angry look. Males and females look alike. Young birds are chocolate brown. Here in the U.S., the boreal owl is found only in the northernmost parts of the country and in the Rocky Mountains down to New Mexico. And it's rarely seen because, unlike the snowy owl, it's not usually active during the day. You may have seen this owl in the movies as the pet of Danish writer Karen Blixen, portrayed by Meryl Streep in the great film Out of Africa. Although we're told that the real Ms. Blixen's pet was not a boreal owl. The Talking Birds Research Department has thus far been unable to determine which species she really kept, but we'll keep working on it. The boreal owl, Egolius funerius. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Thanks again for being with us here on our show number 611. May we have some Japanese Zen forest music, please? The great naturalist and Sierra Club founder John Muir once said that in every walk with nature, one receives far more than he or she seeks. The latest proof of that may be found in the growing Japanese practice of Shinrin-yoku, which translates literally to forest bathing. The Japanese Ministry of Agriculture, Forestry, and Fisheries now operates more than 60 designated forest bathing bases. The concept is starting to catch on here in the U.S. The idea is simple. In order to take in the forest atmosphere, one must simply visit a natural area and reap the restorative effects. And that even looking at a forest environment can provide health benefits. Ben Page, a Los Angeles-based forest therapy guide, says, If nature isn't healthy, we aren't healthy. I really love having a relationship with the land that can promote someone to do a variety of things for the earth. John Muir would be pleased. Forest bathing. Look for a link on our Facebook page. I think we're not going to get have time to get to our Science Corner feature. We'll save that one for next week because we want to announce the winners of our 2017 Talking Birds photo contest. And it goes like this. Our second runner-up is from right here in Massachusetts, Kim Nagy, for her dramatic photo of two dueling great blue herons. Kim wins our Talking Birds beautiful bird book sampler. Our first runner-up prize goes to Todd Yampol from Phoenix, Arizona, for his mesmerizing close-up of a ring-billed duck. We'll be sending Todd a pair of Celestron 8x32 Trail Seeker binoculars. And another duck photo gets our first prize to Elaine Filetra from Warren, New Hampshire for her striking photo of an American black duck. 
dominating a beautiful lake and mountain scene. More applause there uh, for Elaine. <laughs> Elaine wins the Celestron Hummingbird Micro Spotting Scope. Congratulations to our winners and thanks to the many other Talking Birds listeners who sent in so many amazing photos. Look for the photos later today on our Talking Birds Facebook page. Up next here, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Here's an idea for the next time you're shopping for wild bird food. Look for the Audubon Park brand, a top choice among bird lovers for more than 40 years. All of Audubon Park's products meet the highest quality standards in the industry and have earned early compliance with the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act. And Audubon Park products are easy to find at your supermarket, lawn and garden store, farm and feed market, and online retailers. For more information, visit AudubonPark.com. Hi, it's Ray with your invitation to join us in the Galapagos Islands with Sunrise Birding. I'll be your host, joined by expert local guides who'll show us giant Galapagos tortoises and marine iguanas and incredible birds, including Darwin's famous finches. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. And there are now just two cabins still available. Get all the details right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Getting quickly to our Talking Birds uh, Mystery Bird contest. If you haven't won within six months, you're eligible. Here's the sound of our Mystery Bird. The phone number, by the way, the important part here, 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. If you don't know what the bird is, take a guess. Because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. Our bird is a small water bird. With a small brown head and brown body and a short, thick bill. In summer, the pale bill has a ring around it, a black ring. It's found mostly in fresh, but sometimes brackish or salt water and feeds by diving from the surface for fish and invertebrates and aquatic insects. That's our mystery bird. What do you think it is? 781-837-4900 is the number. Tell us what it is or take your guess. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, how do birds cope with... Snowstorms. We'll find out with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Hello, this is Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and I want to tell you about my new favorite discovery, Yosemite National Park. I recently went there with my husband and children, and we walked the trails to see the breathtaking waterfalls, admired the grand meadows, and giant sequoias. But the future of our national parks is uncertain. Many challenges face our parks today, from polluted air and water to development threats outside their borders and inadequate funding to protect our national heritage. That's why the National Parks Conservation Association recently completed a decade-long assessment of the challenges facing our national parks, along with proposed actions that will ensure our children and grandchildren will be able to enjoy the parks as we have. Our national parks have inspired Americans for nearly 100 years. As we approach the centennial of the National Park Service in 2016, please join us in helping to protect our national park legacy. Find out how at www.npca.org. I love the way that music just kind of fades up there. That's our music for Mike O'Connor. Down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Are you there, Mike? Okay, we didn't have the music right away, so we don't have Mike right away. Kind of fits in there. Let's see if we can fade him up. Hello, Mike. Fading up. Fading up. Not there. All right. Well, we'll have to try to reconnect with Mike. Uh, 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, is the number here on our Mystery Bird contest. I know we have a lot of snow. I hope that's... Uh, hope. 
I hope he's okay. Are you there, Mike? Okay, how about now? Uh, yeah. Oh, all right, now is go. good. Now is much better, in fact. <laughs> we can hear you uh, loud and clear. Everything well, okay right. Coming there? in, coming in, big buddy. <laughs> all right. Well, modern technology is, is not always uh, foolproof. <laughs> uh, and neither is the weather uh, dealing with it. So snow, we've got a lot of snow out in the picnic table here, Mike, behind the radio station. Got about a foot have, of snow. Is that what you're having lunch today? We're having lunch out there. It's going to keep everything cool <laughs> and uh, fresh. So, how do birds survive snowstorms? No, no, this is it's, it's they survive kind of like the same way we do. You know, like when the storm's coming and everybody runs off to stop and shop and gets gets bread <laughs> and milk. Well, the birds do the same thing. They believe it or not, can actually tell when there's a storm coming and instead of getting up early and stretching and preening and going through their routine they head right out and they start stocking mm-hmm. up they eat put on the pounds right away they get they get more as, as much fat and as much energy in their bodies as they can mm-hmm. and in the old days i think we all used to think well birds have hollow bones and they can yep. they can feel a change in pressure but actually they can feel a change in pressure but mostly through their ears they have really sensitive mm-hmm. ears and when they can feel the temperature change something kicks in and then they go out and pack on the pounds as best they wow. can. They'll hit our feeders, and I think it's fun if you're home on a snow day, you see the birds attacking yeah. the feeder, and then they hit you know the more natural food sources. And then when the storm really gets going, they might hunker down. And what they try to do is get out of the wind. The wind is the big problem for them. So they'll go, if it's like a robin or a big bird like a jay, they'll go on the lee side of a tree. They'll go in the thicket, but they'll They'll get on the side of the tree. So, you know, when you, there's a storm and one side of the tree is plastered mm-hmm. with snow and the other one's fine, yeah. one side yeah. of the house, the same thing. So they find that leeward spot for protection. And also go to our birdhouses, chickadees and titmice, uh, woodpeckers will go in the birdhouses. And I think we've all seen that great photo of maybe a dozen or more bluebirds all oh, stuffed yeah. into a, uh, a nesting cavity. Huddled together. To get, to get out of the wind. Yeah. And that's how birds survive snowstorms. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next week. You got it right. All right, we'll have more time, I hope, as we will, for our mystery bird contest. We've got to get right back to that real quick. Our mystery bird sounds like this. A small water bird with a brown body, a small head, and a short, thick bill. In summer, the pale bill has a black ring around it. Let's see. I think we're going to uh, Chuck, somewhere in the great state of Illinois. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Ray. How are you this morning? Doing well here. Waiting for more snow, but other than that, doing all right. How about you, Chuck? Uh, we're doing great. We're actually not in Illinois today. We're, uh, we've been traveling for a while, so we're down in the hill country of Texas. So down in Texas. quite nice. All right. Yeah. Well, say hello to our friend Randy if you get near Austin. We'll do that. <laughs> all right, uh, Chuck, what about our mystery bird? Pied-billed grebe. Wow. You didn't even say, is it a Pied Bill Grebe? It's just Pied Bill Grebe. You're absolutely right. And our audience is fading up here. Oh, wait a minute. We have our audience. There's our audience. We had our audience uh, faded down somehow in our little technologically challenged studio this morning. Uh, nice going, Chuck. Pied Bill Grebe uh, is exactly right. Uh, what are you seeing down there in Texas or back in Illinois? Well, we've been down uh, this uh, southwest area, so our most uh, notable, we saw the uh, elegant trogan down in the Patagonia area. Nice. Beautiful bird. Uh, we're searching for the least grebe here, and we're searching for the ring kingfisher. So, mm-hmm. so those are birds. Now, I'm not sure about the, 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 uh, the least grebe. Now, these are birds, I'm, I'm assuming, that make it only that far up north from Mexico? 
Yeah, we're headed down to the Rio Grande, so we'll be right on the tip of Texas, and it should uh, should be down there. So. Mm-hmm. I was down there yeah. last year. That is one spectacular place uh, to look for birds, that's for sure, both uh, oh, yeah. North American birds and those that make it only up into that little southern tip of Texas. Lots and lots yeah. of green jays down there. Oh, they're stunning, yeah. They are the most amazing birds, green jays indeed. Well, Chuck, uh, thank you uh, for that correct answer of the uh, Pied Bill Grebe. And if you will stay on the line, we will we'll send that Droll Yankees feeder. We'll, well, I guess we'll send it to Illinois instead of Texas. Yes, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you, Chuck. Pied Bill Grebe, although it swims like a duck, it does not have webbed feet. Instead of having a webbing connecting all the toes, each toe has lobes extending out from the toes that provides that extra surface area so they can paddle even though they don't have webbed feet. That's it for our show today. Next week, the one, the only, the birdist, nationalaudubon.org contributor Nick Lund will be here to school us about another of his birdist rules of birding. Executive producer Mark Duffield, associate producer Debbie Bleacher, our engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.